La la yeah. la la wait till I give my money right What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to a very special quarantine edition of the Off the Wall Podcast. As always, I'm Andrew George, and here with my co-host Mike Smith. Mike, how you feeling, homie? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I know uh, doing this podcast is something we've kind of missed, and we were able to do it. I know you're in Seven Hills right now. I'm just a bit outside of Canton, but uh, definitely looking forward to getting back to doing the podcast. Um, for those of you that listened to our previous episodes. I know Andrew and I, we're going to try to get them out more consistently. So season one was a bit of a test run um, on what we were doing. And we're trying to get them out more consistently now, usually releasing on Thursdays around six. Um, So thank you guys for tuning in. But we're definitely pumped to get uh, this season started. uh, And we look forward to continuing to produce some content for you guys. Um, That said, obviously part of the reason we're doing this in in remote locations right now is because of the corona situation. Um, obviously, it's basically, uh, to some effect, shut down the United States, and it is affecting everyone. Um, so I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Andrew, on what you're doing during this corona situation, You know how you're trying to stay upbeat, and what are you trying to do uh, so that you can remain productive while you are stuck at home? So one thing I've really been doing is I feel like during this time at home, I've been taking advantage of just being home the whole time, uh, especially by taking care of my body, which I'm pretty proud about. Um, just like by what I'm eating, like just breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just my little snacks. Uh, I restructured my workout plan because without like a gym with everything closed, I've been doing a lot of body weight workouts, which is really cool. And I even uh, bought an Xbox 360. That's right. Not an Xbox One, but a 360 because um, I wanted to play my Harry Potter Connect which is really, really fun. <laughs> and because uh, I figured, I mean, someone's got to beat the Dark Lord in Voldemort, so why not me? Um, <laughs> so, and then, um, I don't know, my advice to everyone else who's kind of in the same boat, just everyone just staying at home is, well, first of all, uh, definitely just stay inside. Think about um, the well-being of your loved ones. And uh, most importantly, remember to stay positive during this time because that's really the only way I feel like we're going to make the most out of what's going on. Uh, it's really easy, I feel like, just to dwell on the negatives, like not being able to obviously like be on campus for us college kids or just go out to bars and different things like that. But um, instead of dwell- dwelling on those negatives, just think about what you can do what you can do to better yourself so that uh, when we come out of this, we're just uh, all of us, we're just better in some kind of way just from beating this virus. What about you, Mike? No, and I completely agree with that point you made. I think, you know, staying positive is definitely crucial during this time. And not to make light of anything that's going on, because this is a serious situation. um, And there are people that truly are affected by it. But I think for, you know, the overwhelming majority of us, um, things could definitely be worse. And it isn't fun to be staying at home, obviously, but there could be worse things than being told to stay at home, maybe watch some more TV and that sort of thing. And I think it's just, you know, you can look at things, I think, anytime that you're kind of presented with a roadblock in life, you can view it as just that as a roadblock. Or you can view it as an opportunity to uh, get better. So I know, and admittedly, too, my sleeping schedule has been thrown completely off because I don't have live class until at least 11 in the morning. So I am up later than I probably am during the normal semester. um, And I end up waking up a bit later, too, as a result of that. But I feel like for the most part, I've been pretty productive with my studies. I mean, I'm keeping my grades up and everything like that. I think for me, as far as going back to that, you know, taking advantage of opportunities sort of thing, um, I'm just trying to explore maybe some interests that I otherwise wouldn't have the time to um, if we were in a normal semester. Um, 
And I know that just means, you know, kind of I'm looking at certain things that maybe I, I wouldn't have done during the semester, such as I just downloaded a graphic design program on my computer and I haven't really gotten into it quite yet. But I remember taking a class about that in high school and I just kind of want to see what I remember from that. Right. I've been watching some uh, history documentaries because I do enjoy history um, on the History Channel, and I find those fascinating. So I you think it's watch, uh, uh, Sorry to cut you off, but you should watch Blue Planet 2 to all our listeners, too. <laughs> Blue Planet 2 is, uh, you can, see, you can see, you see the sea creatures, little turtles, little whales. But go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, that's great. I'll definitely have to add that to my watch list. But I think just being able to explore some of those interests that when you're at school, you know, you're involved in so many other things that you might otherwise get to. Um, it's something that I've enjoyed doing. I know a couple also, uh, cause I have been on, you know, Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. Um, two movies I recommend watching on Netflix are Purple Rain, perhaps the best soundtrack in a film ever. And it does star Prince. It was actually before he really, he, he was fairly well known at the time, but it wasn't, him being an icon at that point. And there was actually some skepticism when he presented producers the idea of making that movie. Um, but I can tell you this, the last scene of that movie is absolutely riveting and it gives you, uh, it gave me goosebumps. Um, and then The Dirt, which is, it's not, a, it's, not, it's not a documentary, but it's a movie that kind of centers around Motley Crue and just their story. And I found that to be, it was a really good movie. And it's kind of fascinating to uh, see some of the struggles that they endured, both individually and as a group. And yet they still managed to perform for 25, 30 years. Um, so that was pretty remarkable. I would recommend those. But I think definitely going back to your whole posi- or positivity uh, you know, narrative, like there's nothing else you can really do. And you can either find this as an opportunity, I think, to get better individually where you come out of it doing the same things maybe you did before. And I think that is essential to think about. What I do find interesting, though, um, about this whole thing is it is interesting to think that we're in a time that will probably be in history textbooks, you know, some oh, yeah. 50, 60 years down the road, or even maybe, you know, 20 or so when we have our own kids. Um, but it's just crazy, and we still don't know the magnitude of where this is going to go. I don't think anyone really has that answer. Hopefully it doesn't get too much worse, but you never know. No, um, it's, it's definitely crazy times that we're living in, but I mean, like we both said, like you, we can either get pissed off about having to stay home or really just take time to get closer with our families and just like better ourselves. I mean, that's all we can really hope for. We really do. No, I completely agree. Uh, before, so before we move on to our next topic, we wanted to, uh, sticking with this whole coronavirus situation, we wanted to give our condolences to a Minnesota Timberwolf, Carl Anthony Towns as, um, Many of you have heard probably through Twitter or Instagram that his mom recently passed away from coronavirus. And uh, just from what we've read about her and just the relationship, they had a really strong relationship. And um, I mean, this was, I mean, it was, it's, it's his mom. His, she raised him. She supported him through everything. And none of us can imagine what he's, the pain he's actually going through right now. So we just wanted to, I mean, I doubt Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns is listening to this, but those, those listening just wanted to give our condolences to uh, Town's family. No, absolutely. And um, I do know he had a very close relationship with his mother, and I think she made it to as many games of his as possible, even on the road. Um, and I know he's not the only one, obviously, that struggled with this. Uh, so our condolences go out to him and his family, as well as um, all those who have lost people to the coronavirus. I think now, um, you know, everyone is realizing how serious this is. 
in that it doesn't just affect, you know, people that we thought were in that small uh, category of either being elderly or weak immune system. While it does heighten your chances with that, I, I mean, I think anyone can be affected by this. And also just a shout out to all the medical personnel that are putting their lives um, yep. potentially at danger, um, not being able to see their families for weeks at a time so they can go in and do their jobs. Um, you know, they took an oath to do so definitely a shout out to them because, um, you know, what they're doing isn't easy either. And they are heroes, you know, it is cliche yeah. to see not all heroes wear caves, but I mean, truly in this instance, um, you know, them with the essential workers are really what are making the world run right now and trying to limit the amount of deaths as much as we possibly can. I could not could not have said it better myself. Um, but I guess on a flip side to kind of switch gears a little bit, um, while I was on Twitter uh, last weekend, I saw something and Mike and I were talking about it. And it's called the four album no skip challenge. So how this works is basically each of us are going to pick four albums, any genre, any artist, and it's called the No Skip Challenge because it's essentially picking uh, four albums that they have songs that they're all basically perfect. So you like you're listening through, and you just it's a, it's essentially a perfect album. So, Mike, we'll start with you. What are your four albums? Yeah, and I think um, to touch on that too, because I know you and I both collect vinyl records. Um, and you can go because they have the lines around them where you can individually pick a song. But I think I know I do this and I'm sure you do, too. I mean, I listen through the whole record because it is a bit easier and I think it does sound better on vinyl. Um, but I do think there is something beautiful about finding an album that you can truly sit down for 45 minutes to an hour and just listen all the way through or like on a long car ride. And it's awesome to like do that because I would probably for most of us, uh, a lot of the music we listen to when we see an artist release a new album where we discover one, um, we probably find the songs that, you know, we like the best and we don't necessarily listen to all of them. So I think that this was a fun exercise to do and kind of see, um, you know, what albums can I actually listen to the whole time? So without further ado, I will go through those four. Um, my first is going to be, so just as a preface, and I might've mentioned this in a previous show, um, Boston is my favorite band of all time. They probably always will be. I just love them. You know, Mikey loves his rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, so I apologize if over the next, you know, several minutes, you guys don't know any of the music. I'm t Well, no, you'll know some of them, but you don't listen to it. Just skip to Andrew. Um, but no, so their, their debut album, which is probably their most well-known, and I'd say it's probably my favorite, um, is actually called Boston. So it's just named after, it's a self-proclaimed, you know, album or whatever. Um, but yeah, so that initial album, Boston, um, and then I would say probably my favorite song with that, there's two, Foreplay Long Time, uh, which I just think is an awesome, awesome song. The guitar solos in that are absolutely amazing. And then More Than a Feeling, which I feel like is kind of reminiscing on good times of the past. Those would be my two favorite from Boston. Um, I just think they're a great band that kind of combine rock and roll. And then rock and roll with a twist of romanticism. Um, if you listen to some of their other albums, they just have, you know, amazing music to me. So that would be my first one. Um, my second would be, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, um, their Dark Side of the Moon album. Now, that is one of the most popular albums in history. And I believe it has sold the fifth most albums ever, if I have that right, at over 45 million. Which wow. Is yeah, it's pretty damn impressive. That's ridiculous. Um, but I think while it might not be my favorite, although it is close to 
that might be the greatest album in my opinion in rock and roll history like it is just absolutely unbelievable um especially the back half of the record um all the songs run into each other so essentially while there are separate songs it's just one like gigantic song um my favorite from that album is probably the combination of brain damage which leads into the eclipse uh the ending of that album with eclipse is just magnificent i definitely recommend just listening to the whole thing through um also if you have even more time on your hands than you should (laughs) um there is this episode if you watch uh look up on youtube it's called dark side of oz um and it's the wizard of oz lined up with dark side of the moon the amount of things that like uh coincide with the album and the movie at the same time it like it'll blow your mind there's a whole web page dedicated to all these outliers it's just it's sweet it's pretty (laughs) crazy it's like it's it's like it's like the elite like the most elite of conspiracy theories (laughs) it honestly might be (laughs) but seriously if you watch it and you see like the and if you know the names of the songs too you'll see like other ones that might not stick out as much the amount of easter eggs with that in the movie combined it's just unbelievable um, so my third one then would be John Denver, Rest in Peace, just his greatest hits album. Um, I know for me, this has a bit of a personal touch because it kind of takes me back to my childhood. Um, so I used to have uh, one of those old CD players that I had sitting on my nightstand when I was younger. And every night I would listen to John Denver as I fell asleep. So I know that album pretty well, um, probably subconsciously by now. Um, but I love that music, Sunshine on My Shoulder, probably my favorite John Denver song ever. Um, and I just think that was great. Um, the last one was kind of tough for me to pick. I was determining between the Eagles and Def Leppard. I ended up going with the Eagles. And it's their greatest hits, 1971 to 1975 album. Um, something to note here, Hotel California, which is probably their most well-known song. And I do oh. like it a lot was not in this album because that did not release itself until 1976. So Aww. that's your other greatest hit album. Um, but rest assured, there are still many great hits in this. Lion Eyes, Take It Easy, uh, Tequila Sunrise. And for me, the Eagles, I just I enjoy listening to them a lot, um, especially in the summer. There's just a certain quality about it. It kind of has that vibe of an endless summer night listening to some of these songs. So that would be my last album, my four album challenge. I'm sure if I dug deeper, I could find other ones that I could listen to all the way through. But those would probably be my core four. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm definitely gonna second that last comment of yours. Like this thing, when I first saw this on Twitter, it um, I, my friend DM'd it to me, and it took me, it's not even kidding, like an hour and a half to like <laughs> to choose like just four <laughs> because. Uh, like Mike said, there's so many, I mean, like mu- I love music so much as I'm sure like, I mean, everyone does music fuels the soul. I'm a firm believer in that. And like, um, so before I do give my four, I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions. So the one honorable mention I'm going to give is uh watch the throne, which is the Jay-Z and Kanye West collab album. I mean, for me, those are already just two of my all time favorite, just artists in general, um, just absolute pioneers in hip hop for a variety of reasons. So when they came together and made that, there's not a bad song on that album. And the other one honorable mention I'm going to give is American Teen, the debut album uh, by Khalid, when he was, uh, I mean, most of those songs were recorded during his senior year of high school, and he's only 22 years old right now, and just the just the creativity on the album is just unlike, I mean, at, at the age of 18, 19 years old, is just ridiculous. 
But so I'm just go right into my four right now. So my first one is I'm going to stick with Khalid and it's actually his second. He's only had two albums. So it's a second album. It's free spirit. And I actually saw the live tour of this and remember listening to the album when it first came out literally nonstop for two weeks. Like not even kidding. Like I, I don't think I listened to anything else on my Spotify for two weeks except for the album. And like, I still don't get sick of it. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, number two is going to be, uh, while he is very controversial, um, he's one of my favorite artists of all time. Kanye West is de- his debut album, Jesus Walks. Oh, no, I mean, College Dropout. My, <laughs> Jesus Walks is my favorite song off the... God, they, someone, someone's mowing their grass. Damn, I'm in the basement. <laughs> there's, there's the windows in the back. Someone's mowing, the, mowing their lawn. Anyways, yeah, so uh, College Dropout <laughs> by... Uh, uh kanye west uh jesus walks is my favorite song off that album and i firmly believe that the college college dropout is the greatest debut rap album of all time by far i mean kanye comes off of helping jay-z produce the black album one of the most popular hip-hop albums of all time and the fact that he just comes right off of that and then just like introduces himself through college dropout is just ridiculous um number three i'm gonna take a break from rap and go into uh divide by ed sheeran uh very different <laughs> from uh kanye and jay-z but uh it's uh i actually saw ed sheeran live during his tour of divide and uh that's another album where just every song on the album is great it's got songs that'll make you cry with like dive and uh the castle on the hill and then it's got upbeat songs like barcelona it's just he's just got a great voice Really talented songwriter, too. And then lastly, I'm going to go 2014 Forest Hills Drive by J. Cole. This was the first hip-hop album uh, to go platinum with no features since 1989. Keep in mind, that's 2014. was the first one since 1989. And that's just a staple of... He's just one of the greatest rap artists, lyrically, with his flow, just of our generation. So those are my four. I've got to ask you then, um, since you said you saw Cleve live, where does that rank amongst the performances or concerts you have been to? Because I know you're a huge fan of him, obviously. Oh, yeah. So my top two concerts of all time, I uh, I have like a list on my phone because I just I love going to I've been to a lot of concerts. So like I just love going to them. So Khalid actually ranks one uh, B. I did one A and one B because they're just two of the uh, greatest concerts. So Khalid's one B and one A was actually Kanye West, the uh, Life of Pablo. That was that was one that was like my first big concert, and uh, I remember he I saw that in Columbus, and um, everyone like all my friends were waiting to see him in Cleveland. But the Cleveland concert was two weeks after the Columbus one, so a couple of my buddies and I got our um our parents to drive us down. This is before we had um, our license, and uh, we saw him in Columbus two weeks before everybody else saw him. And um, yeah, it was that. Oh my god, I remember not being able to like speak for two days because I was just screaming so much. Like, I remember being in class, like, like oh Andrew, like what's the answer to like number three? And I like would raise my hand and be like, oh, no, no, no. like I couldn't talk. And so <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> so one A, one B, is that slightly above? Or are they both equal in your eyes? Well, I, it's hard because like um, it's hard because they're they're so different. Like there's such different artists, but I mean, you got like Kanye is in terms of in terms of like what he's what he had, like meant to me at that time. Because 
he really kind of him and Tupac and Biggie, those three artists, um, like their earliest stuff when I started kind of like going through Apple music and stuff, that's how I got into rap music. So seeing him was kind of like, I don't know, in a way kind of justified, like, like, Oh, I've been like, it was the first big concert, especially it was the first, it was the first hip hop concert I've ever been to. So, um, that was just, uh, it was, that was just the electricity. Like he did a lot of his old stuff, his new stuff. So, uh, it, that place is like slightly above Khalid, but Khalid. I mean, I cried twice at the Khalid concert, so like that one, that one was pretty ridiculous too. No, that totally makes sense. Your reasoning for all that, then, um, and definitely if you guys haven't tried this exercise at home, I mean, I know for a lot of us we have time. I think it's just interesting, and then you'll see kind of, you know, how your music taste can vary. I think because obviously you had a few that were uh, different in types of music. Mine, though, they were rock. There were different types of rock. So I think it's just interesting to kind of explore that and see what you really appreciate when it comes to music. Um, oh, yeah. So on a, diff- <laughs> on a different note with that, then, um, I love learning random things that really don't apply at all to life. So we're going to introduce this fun fact segment for the first time. Um, and I found this interesting. I saw this on Uber Facts on Twitter, I believe, like a week or a week and a half ago. And then I did some uh, investigating myself after I saw it just to learn a bit more. So apparently in 1977, we heard a radio signal from space that we still have not figured out what the original source it came from is. Um, and just to give you some context about this. So in one of Ohio State's uh, laboratories or observatory, I should actually say, um, they had a big ear telescope that at the time was used to try to detect extraterrestrial life. And they had a signal come into it that was discovered by Jerry Emman a few days later. Um, and it was about a 25 second signal that, like I said, they haven't been able to detect where it came from. Uh, but Jerry was so impressed. He wrote, wow, with an exclamation point on the computer printout next to it. And actually it's known as the wow signal now for that reason, Um, But there have been many theories as to where this came from. Was it man-made? Was it extraterrestrial? Um, There hasn't been any evident proof to suggest that it's any one of those things. So really, it could be any. Um, But no one's really been able to locate exactly where that signal came from, except for that it was from space at some point. They tried to rediscover it, and they never were able to afterwards. I just find this personally fascinating because... this is kind of the stuff I get into a rabbit hole with sometimes at night on YouTube or some of those history channel documentaries. But I 100% believe that extraterrestrial life exists somewhere. Um, I think at some point they've come in contact with this earth. I don't know uh, when necessarily. Uh, I know ancient aliens for any of you that enjoy this stuff, please watch that show because it is just fascinating. Um, But I, I definitely think that extraterrestrial life has come into contact with us at some point hopefully at some point we'll come into contact with them but i definitely think something's out there but that's my fun fact of the day i just mm-hmm. love that, that that type of conspiracies stuff would you uh would you go into space if you had the chance or like would you be too scared with like um just like you know gravity <laughs> no 100 percent. and obviously it probably depends on life circumstances maybe if i uh you know, uh, getting to the point of uh, having a family and kids, I might not because, you know, obviously those are people I care about. Not that I don't about my family now. I love them. Um, but I think I'm at a point right now where 
I just like my curiosity with that stuff. I just find it fascinating to think about endless possibilities. Um, and I think, yeah, I absolutely would go out into space because um, the way I look at it is why not? Like there's endless possibilities. And I, I posed this question to one of my friends the other day. Um, and I was like, if you had the opportunity to explore a black hole, like they could send you up there, but you don't know like what's going to happen if you go through it, like you'll die, you'll enter another universe and it's just weird or anything like that. Would you do it? Because my answer right now would be absolutely like, if I die, I die, which I feel like it's not that I'm like, you know, making light of that or anything, but I yeah. just think it's like the way I figure it is I'm either going to figure out something upon going through that black hole that's on the other side or I feel like once you die, I think there's more than just this. Like, I don't think you just die and that's it. Oh, dude, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that in a future show. I'm not going to go down that route. Yeah, right that, that's like a whole nother podcast. And we can get like three hours out of that. That'd be really oh, no, no, no. I, I love talking about this stuff, especially <laughs> late at night um, when your imagination just wanders. But for me, like if I died, like I would have more information anyways, because I'm dead and I'm assuming I'm seeing something else that you know i might not have known about on my time here so absolutely i would go into space a long answer to what could have been a short uh, <laughs> answer to that question but i just yeah. love this stuff. well imagine like going into space or like going to the moon and coming back and being able to tell people you did that like that'd be the best story at a party like just thinking like be like yeah like i was on the moon like yeah that's it <laughs> like i feel like that'd be like the best like story well, you know, I can't remember the title of the movie, but that movie that came out, I think it was last year. Oh, The Martian? No, that wasn't last year. That was like four years ago. No. <laughs> I know, but this lady went into space, right? And I think she was up there for like nine to 12 months. It was an extended period of time, though. And like when she came back to Earth, she I think she struggled with two things. Like everything there just seemed ordinary because I'm assuming I, I would have to imagine once you're in space, you're just in such awe of like everything that's around you. Um I think, too, just trying to figure out, because I'm sure once you're up there and then you see that there are endless possibilities about where our universe goes, I think she was trying to cope with, like, what is the meaning to all of this, or even in my own life, now that I'm back here on Earth. Um, so I'm assuming it would have that effect, but no, it um, it would be an amazing story, absolutely, to say you went on the moon <laughs> to go into space. I'm just not smart enough to be an astronaut, because, you know, those people are scientists, really. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're just, we're we're just like, management. <laughs> <laughs> no, if they, no, if they were just like, hey, you know what? You want to be our test dummy and we'll give you 10000 Shoot, I'd do it for free. But yeah, I'd go up into space. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> On a completely separate note. <laughs> completely um, different. <laughs> no, kind of going back to the whole corona situation. Um, like Andrew just said, we are both sport management majors. And this is affecting, it is affecting all industries, but um, especially sport. And I think on a national scale, um, you know, it is affecting leagues and everything because essentially the sports world's been halted for the last month or so. Um, what league do you think will come back first, Andrew? And then do you see any changes that will take place either immediately when they, it does come back sports um, or even some that could be long-term, um, you know, changes? So what I feel like is going to happen, and this is definitely what I would want to happen given how much I love basketball, is um, I feel like the NBA, like, even though they're, they're really close to, I mean, the postseason, so I think they finish out their season maybe towards, like, the back half of the summer. Um, 
I mean, this is all assuming this is all assuming uh, we're able to contain the virus more. But like, if they were to resume their season, kind of like the back half of the summer with no fans at uh, neutral sites, and I think if that actually happens, I think stuff that is going to change because that's going to change like the landscape of like the entire like season going forward, for, just for future years. So I feel like um, they might sh- end up shortening that uh, like just their normal regular season, and I think that this would actually please a lot of fans. Um, regarding load management because it would make the regular season just more bearable um, just for the casual fans that I mean they just really want to go see like the LeBrons the Kawhis the like Durants and all those guys so that's what I think um, that's what I think will probably happen what about you um so and I mean this is I this probably feels like a cop-out answer um, but I think it's just going to depend obviously on when this stuff dies down now a couple of things. So I think when sports can return, they obviously, I don't think they're going to return back to, you know, what we would call normal, I guess, right away. Right. Um, I think the way that things are going to come back just in life in general, is going to be gradually. And I think mass gatherings will be the last to um, come back as a result. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think if we have sports leagues returning, I, I, I think the possibility of there being no fans is, not just uh, a possibility, but I think it's more than likely going to happen, right? And obviously that depends on when this coronavirus thing settles down, meaning what season are we going to have sports return and everything like that. But I also think without fans, there are certain sports that are easier to implement, right? So I think golf, where you do have a crowd, but you know typically they are quieter, and probably really until Saturday or Sunday, unless you're a hardcore golf fan, you aren't watching it anyways. I know for me, like I'm not a huge golf guy, uh, but sometimes I will tune into the last few hours on Sunday, um, you know, if the leaderboard's close and everything. So I think that could be a possibility. As far as like the major three being baseball, basketball, and football, um, I know the NFL is doing everything in its power to start the season on time. But again, it just comes back to when this virus settles down. I know for baseball and basketball, it's hard because we have basketball, which already was essentially was close to being done with the regular season, right? When this was canceled, you had less than a month left. Yeah. Um, still going to need about a month to could get back into gear with these guys. Now, do I think it's possible? Yes. Um, I think a possibility with this too in basketball is that um, it might alter the schedule, not just this year, but down the road, because I could see them now if they end up getting the finals off in you know, late July or August or even maybe early September, although I think that would be hard with football. Um, I could see them saying, you know what, we're going to kick off the season on Christmas Day, make those, you know, the five primetime games uh, for the beginning of our season. Then we'll have the finals play out in the late summer. That way, the beginning of our season isn't competing with football. We have Christmas Day, which is probably in the regular season other than the all-star event. Like, that's the day that people tune into, right? Basketball's kind of own that day for their own. And then, um, you know, we'll transition to have the finals, which is during the summer, which I love baseball, but realistically, they probably have a better shot at competing with it than during what a lot of people consider the dog days of the baseball season because you aren't quite to the pennant chase yet, but it's after the all-star game and sometimes people lose interest. Um, I think, you know, with baseball, they've tossed around the idea of doing it in Arizona. I don't know how possible that is because um, you still have to make sure your players are safe and everything. And obviously, that's going to take immense resources from multiple third parties. And realistically, we need the situation with everyone 
you know, kind of under control before we can even think about having a sports league. Um, but I do think sports are necessary. They provide people relief. Yeah, um, it's kind of distraction just from literally the whole virus, everything that's going on. Right. And I think even for people that aren't huge sports fans, I remember Joe Buck was talking about this the other day. And it's even just if you have someone who lives in your house that watches them, like not hearing it in the background or not seeing anything in the news about it. I think it's just kind of weird because that's how ingrained they are into American society. Maybe aside from one, two or three days a year. I mean, shoot, we have sports on all the time, whatever it may be. And it's kind of weird not just to have that. So I think there's a lot of unknowns with it. You know, I, I'm assuming the commissioners of each league want to get this, you know, on the roll again as soon as possible. But I mean, who knows at this point when they'll come back? I mean, we might not even have, you know, college football this upcoming year. You just, you don't know. And it's going to be a process getting people back, not just allowing mass gatherings, but I think people trusting that they can go into an environment with 60,000 people and be safe. And I think, I also think just like what, I mean, I love what ESPN has been doing with kind of reminiscing about just past years, like iconic moments throughout um, just different major sports. And like, like I love do, like I love just looking back at like the past like that, but I mean, it's realistically, I mean, people want new content. People want like this new, exciting and just like emerging players to follow. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, it's like you said, there's so much uncertainty of, I mean, what if, like you said, with like football in September, like, what if with basketball, like filtering in there, like what if we have to do that? And what if that pushes back football, pushing back like baseball and like, or just like, what if sports just keep getting pushed back? Like that's, a, that's a realistic possibility, I feel like. And I don't know. And then I also think that one, one sport that probably just the one sport that comes to mind that it would be easy to resume play would be tennis because there's already that kind of distance. You know, the only thing is like, just to like the, obviously the touching of like the ball, because I mean, you're touching a ball, like hitting it back, like whenever, like exchanging serves, stuff like that. So I feel like that could be something where if something were, uh, was designed, like a kind of glove or something to um, like whenever like you or your opponent's touching the ball, then that could be something that could be like put, put in place. But obviously with no fans, because there's the mass gatherings and I don't know, it's just a lot of, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where we're at um, come four or five, six months down the road. Honestly, really- it really yeah. is. And um, I, I think tennis is one of those sports that probably could come back maybe sooner uh, than some of the others, like you mentioned. I want to go back to your point, too, because, you know, you're pushing back sports. How does it at what point does it impact, you know, other sports and their seasons and that sort of thing? But I think, too, like it's not obviously two, 2020 seasons have already been affected as far as sports is concerned. But I think that the impact it has can be like several years down the road. Like for me right now, and obviously I don't know what's going on with the corona situation as far as, you know, finding um, a vaccine or something like that. You know, that's not my my realm of, um, you know, knowledge or anything. But I think, you know, depending on how long this carries out, like I think it could be two or three years before sports resembles anything of what it, you know, did before all of this. I think it is part of that people not being okay with mass gatherings. But I also think it's like, so say we do push back Major League Baseball, right? They've been talking about doing that end of November. Well, spring training typically starts midway through February, right? Pitchers and catchers reporting. So how are we going to start the next season? Like, is that going to start later? Because everything's going to get just backed up and postponed. Like it's like, one of my favorite events ever is the World Baseball Classic. But I honestly don't see how that's run now. Not because, 
yeah, the Corona situation might have been taken care of by the time it's March next year. But if you have a season that runs in November and a tournament that starts in late February, like these guys don't have enough time to recover and do that. Like then you're impacting the safety of the players. I mean, would the NBA cancel? I know it wouldn't be summer league now because it would probably be closer to the fall. But is that just something you scrap altogether? Because, you know, the season, there might be a shorter window of off season. You don't want these players to get hurt. So I just think, the impact of all of that is going to change things massively combined with the fans. I mean, we might not be seeing a normal sports world until, I mean, I hate to say it, but 2022 or 2023. I think that's a very real possibility. Yeah, and that's that's something that nobody wants to say out loud or on ESPN or the news because, I mean, just it's just like these social distancing guidelines or like the, like the quarantine guidelines. Like, Okay, like first it was till like the beginning of April. Now it's till the beginning of May. I mean, I'm pretty sure when come May first, we're not everyone's not just gonna bust out of their houses and like just start no, like roaming the streets. So, I mean, I think it's just the same thing goes for sports. It's like nobody really knows when things are gonna come back. And also to your point about like what it means for like the NBA summer league and stuff like that. I mean, what about I mean, just especially just for like the major drafts, like the NFL draft coming up, NBA draft coming up. What does that mean for the development of the players if they can't if right. can't hold workouts and they can't get acquainted with their teams? Like they're not just going to come back. Like if, for example, if the Cavs take like Lamella Ball for um, which would be sweet, but I don't know, that's an example. Like he's not going to come into Cleveland and like like game one of the preseason just be like completely like gelling with um, like Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, these guys. Like they need time to develop develop with each other and relationships. So I mean, just there's just so many things that are just going to take a back seat and. Like I said, it'll be come like like five, six months. Like it'll be interesting to see where we're at. No, absolutely. And I just want to make one last point before we move on to, and this doesn't even necessarily pertain to sports, but I know like a lot of people are like, I don't like, hopefully this Corona thing, like, you know, kind of subsides by the time we get to summer break and this and that, which is true. I want my summer just as much as the next person, but I'm not even concerned with that right now. Like, I mean, I've kind of accepted the fact that at least half our summer is going to be done with, right? At least as it normally would be. Um, my concern is I want to have like a normal fall semester. Like I'm really concerned that we are not going to be back in school at the beginning of next semester. And that's just going to throw, because not that it wasn't hard transitioning from class to online for the faculty and the students or anything. Um, but I think it could be even more of a mess when you're trying to start fall semester with incoming freshmen I mean, you have clubs and sororities and fraternities and all this stuff where you're trying to recruit members and that sort of thing. Everything's just thrown out the window, essentially. Um, You know, if we can't start at BW for this upcoming semester. So it's something that'll definitely be interesting to see where even that goes. And I know we're not talking about sports in this case, but I think there's just so many unknowns with this. And I guess the one thing that is kind of reassuring is I don't think most people like the unknown, but at least we're all in the same boat in that regard. Right. Um, so it is a relatable situation for everyone because no one really knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm just, honestly, I'm just hoping, like you said, like I kind of accepted like part of the summer is going to be gone. I'm just hoping like come August 11th, my birthday, I'm not sitting in the basement again, uh, watching another Harry Potter marathon playing Scrabble. So uh, let's we'll, we'll, we'll see. Twenty first birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got that to look forward to. But um, all right. So now that we're done talking about sports, there's something I. This is definitely my favorite topic we're going to talk about today. It's a little a uh, little interesting one. So I mean, yeah, this is this is definitely off the wall. No pun intended. But um, 
So this is called start, bench, and cut. And so a lot of you have probably heard about this with like athletes, like you're given three athletes, get a start one, bench one, and cut one. So I had the idea, what if we do it with like animated characters from our, from our childhood? So Mike, I'm going to ask you first. All right, I'm going to give you SpongeBob, Jimmy Neutron, and Timmy Turner. Start, bench, cut, go. Okay, so this is an interesting combination, that's for sure. Um, I have to start SpongeBob. Like, I feel like that was a no-brainer. No-brainer. Right, just because, I mean, shoot, like, I love SpongeBob as a child. I think he's universally recognized, I would say, at this point. Um, And, like, I feel like if you had him as a buddy in real life, he's just, like, so upbeat all the time. Like, he's, like, like, that one friend you have that, like, is never sad and honestly if you saw them sad like you'd be super sad because you're like why are they sad <laughs> like does that make sense yeah <laughs> i feel like that would be that would be the way i look at spongebob um but he'd be the one that i'd start for sure plus he makes a mean burger so come on what about um, what about normal spongebob you ever see that episode when he's like square bob <laughs> see but that's not normal spongebob that's abnormal spongebob trying to conform to society Anyway, no, no, but he's, he calls himself normal SpongeBob because he, he I know, but he's not actually. <laughs> I'm right on this one. Anyway, <laughs> I think the tougher one is with um, Jimmy Neutron and Timmy Turner, um, which excellent crossover episode. If you ever watch that, as oh, a the kid. movie, dude, the mood, the that was like when I was a kid, like that was peak, like that was peak, just life, like that. I don't think. I think everything went downhill from there, but go ahead. It was awesome. Now, I think this this one's hard for me because you have the brains with Jimmy Neutron. But the way I figure it, you get the fairies with Timmy because they'll travel with him. Um, so I would have to go with that because I get some wishes too, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's actually the exact order I had mine in and for that exact reasoning because you get Cosmo and Wanda. And, I mean, so, yeah, like, yeah, Jimmy's got his equi- science equipment and stuff. Like, yeah, it's all cool. Right. And- He's got Goddard and Mrs. Neutron. uh, Jimmy Neutron. Like, once you get into high school and you start taking AP classes, you realize you aren't that smart because um, I I remember being in high school and, um, you know, the first couple of years were relatively easy for me. And then I got into AP classes and I was like, well, I'm basically average or below average than anyone else in this room. And then you get to college and it's like 10 times worse because you're like, these people are going to do great things. Look at me. Like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the one thing I will say with Jimmy is like, yeah, he was like, like a child prodigy and what he did in that era of technology. I mean, let's not, let's be real. It's pretty ridiculous. So <laughs> with the technology we have now, <laughs> Jimmy Neutron remastered would really be like, man, I don't know what he would do, but still, I mean, Timmy Turner, I mean, magic fairies. Next question. So the next one, <laughs> the next three I got for you are, Carl Weezer, Chowder, and Danny Phantom. Go. Okay, Chowder's my number one. Like, Whoa. No doubt in my mind. No, you listen. Uh, so, no, Chowder, I love that show. Shout out to Schnitzel. Chowder better be bringing him along, rada rada. Um, but, no, like, Chowder knows how to cook. The dude's, like, he might not be the brightest kid out there, but uh, he has curiosity, and I like that, right? So, I feel like I'm a fairly curious person, so we can relate on that level. Um, and then, what was it, Carl Weezer and Danny Phantom? Yep. See, I don't – I know I watched Danny Phantom a little, although I don't think I watched it that much, but he can, like – he's a ghost, right? Yeah, he's, uh, he's a ghost. <laughs> okay, so I feel like 
I feel like that can work. So I'll take him over Carl Weezer. I think his yeah. voice would get annoying after a while, Carl. Oh my gosh, dude. I can't believe you'd do that. Okay, so we have completely different orders. I'm without a doubt starting Carl Weezer. I mean, that man is just a national treasure. His um, For those of you that watch Jimmy Neutron, his love of llamas and, and <laughs> Jimmy's mom is uh, something that is... That is that is just that I always found just awesome, and uh, I'm benching Danny Phantom because he is a ghost, and I mean what I could learn about the supernatural from him just opens up a wider range of possibilities. And I'm gonna boot Chowder. Sorry, big fella. Um, uh, never really watched. Oh, him no. when I was little, and I would rather rather take Carl and Danny over Chowder. But uh, and then the last one is gonna be Patrick Star. Bugs Bunny and Stewie Griffin. Go. This one's actually really tough. Um, yeah, this was definitely the hardest one when I was putting together. My number one, it's this is gonna be close. My number one's gonna be Stewie. Um Family Guy is far and away like my favorite show, at least my favorite cartoon show. Um I think the progression of Stewie in that show is absolutely hilarious because he starts out as being like this diabolical, like evil child. Um, and as the show progresses, um, and he is super smart, by the way, he's a genius. He has a time machine. But as the show progresses, he just becomes like, to me, he's just more funny now than he was before. And he's always been funny because he just has a certain witty, humorous way that he goes about speaking that I think is hysterical. Um, so he'd be my number one. Bugs Bunny and Patrick's clothes, but I'd have to go with Bugs Bunny. Uh, the dude is a prankster, and I like that because he's a smart prankster. And he'd be one of those friends that would be enjoyable to have around. Um, not that Patrick wouldn't. <laughs> Patrick's kind of dumb. Um, but hey, 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 do not insult Mr. Star's intelligence. We'll go ahead. <laughs> you know what? There are different ways to measure intelligence, so... He was smart in other realms, I suppose. Um, but no, I have to go with Bugs Bunny. I mean, he's always tricking the duck and then Elmer Fudd, so I mean, the guy's got to know some stuff, right? Yeah, he's got, yeah. I, this, like I said, this was really a tough one. Um, I ended up starting Stewie because, just like you, Family Guy is one of my favorite shows. Um, and, like, it is kind of like, kind of like touching on what you said. Like, his progression through the show is really interesting because the stuff that when you first watch Family Guy, you're like, dude, this guy's a baby. Like, how does he have a time machine? Like, how does like why does he have weapons in his closet? But then it's like, come like season like I would say like six, I was like five, six, seven, eight. Like once you hit that range, it's kind of like Stewie. Like everything he does is it's like oh yeah, like that's Stewie. But he's like wiser than he was in the beginning. But he's still a baby. So it's like ageless wisdom. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. But then what I love about Stewie too is I feel like there's this one episode in particular. It's last season. I can't remember the exact episode. But this is, and I think Seth MacFarlane, who's the creator of the show, is an absolute genius. Um, but he ran an episode, and I watched it when it premiered. And instead of breaking it up like most shows do, it was just you had a few commercials, and there was 22 straight minutes, and then commercials at the end. And it was Stewie going into a therapist. And this does get kind of deeper, oh, which yeah. I find interesting, because the show's typically humorous. Um but Stewie just like opens up on basically every insecurity that he has. And it's the way it's his insecurities are the reason he behaves the way he does throughout the show. And I just found that really interesting because as funny of a show as family guy can be, 
there are certain episodes, and I don't know why necessarily that Seth MacFarlane does it. I do think it adds to his genius. Um, but where they really touch on some real stuff, and I think that's one of those things. Um, and it is kind of interesting because if you've watched the show as much as me or Andrew has, when you watch that episode where he's opening up to his therapist, like it all kind of adds up as to why he does certain things and perhaps how he's progressed because I would say he probably has become, if you think about it, more comfortable with himself as the show progresses. And I think actually now you see, and I know this is just a cartoon, but I think you see like the real Stewie as opposed to maybe what he was in the earlier seasons. Oh yeah, and then like for a show that's been around as long as Family Guy, I mean, like you said, like when we want like for people that watch it all the time, like there's a sense of just, I don't know, just like just like it sounds like justification where it's like, oh okay, like if you like go back and watch previous seasons, you're like, all right, that makes like a lot of sense now. Just like not that Family Guy is confusing, but like I don't know, <laughs> like, like like it's pretty straightforward, but it just makes previous episodes better and like future ones too. Um, I think it's a beautiful episode, except for the end where he kills the therapist, but. Don't spoil it for Rockets. And then I'm also, okay, so I'm starting Stewie. I'm benching Patrick just because, like, SpongeBob has just always been one of my favorite shows. And uh, I don't know, like, while Patrick may not have the highest, uh, how do I put this? Um, <laughs> like, intelligence, like, not emotional. Like, no, like, he's got high emotional intelligence, but maybe book smart. He could um, study for a couple more hours a day, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, there's just something about Patrick, he's just like, I don't know, like, he lives under a rock, like, it's so simple, but yet, just, like, to the point, like, I like Patrick, and then, um, I'm gonna cut Bugs Bunny, which is, like, I have nothing bad to say about Bugs Bunny, because he's awesome, but I'm only cutting him because those other two were in front of him, but, yeah, so, concluding with our, uh, first quarantine show, uh, I want to talk about one thing I saw on Twitter. So I saw that since, since Tom Brady recently got, uh, <laughs> recently went to uh, Tampa Bay, uh, he tried trademarking Tampa Bay. It's T-O-M-P-A space and then Bay. So it made us want to go back and reflect on other times that famous people tried to trademark uh, just ridiculous things. So uh, Mike, what did you find? So first I want to say Tampa Bay is a bit of a stretch. Um <laughs> I get it, and I guarantee you, because of who he is, he will sell that merch. So, I mean, more power to him for that. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I love Tom Brady. He's, to me, the best uh, quarterback in NFL history. But the Tampa Bay just doesn't flow. And he also he also did Tampa Brady, I think. Oh, God. <laughs> That's better to me, actually, than Tampa Bay. They're both bad, but... Um, more, whatever, more power to him, I guarantee you. I mean, Buccaneers fans are crazed right now. The yeah. one that I can never get over, and I know we've talked about this before, but the whole Taco Tuesday bit with LeBron. Now, <laughs> I get filing for the trademark because I guess if you can get it, which I would assume he probably knew more than likely he wouldn't, but go for it because he could make so much merchandise off of it. But come on, like that's not – he didn't just start doing those videos and people were like, oh, Taco Tuesday, that's a thing? Like – we had Taco Tuesday in elementary school. That is nothing new at all. Um, that's, I just don't get it, man. I think one of my favorite ones is actually, and I don't like self-proclaimed nicknames a lot, but the PG-13 by Paul George was pretty good. Um, that was just clever. Yeah, that, um, is, that is a pretty sweet nickname. Right. I kind of like um, Primetime with Deion Sanders. 
that's just I, I think that's a and that's more of a nickname than a trademark but i think he trademarked it so he could sell merchandise um so i think it can work with athletes and i think some have done a great job um but come on tampa bay and then the taco tuesday thing yeah like we come on taco tuesday has been around for as long as i know yeah <laughs> yeah taco tuesday one was one like i love lebron but i mean like i don't i mean yeah, it was a fun it was fun saying it like taco i mean it's still it still is fun every time i eat tacos on a tuesday like yeah i scream at the top of my lungs taco tuesday but like like it, it, ha- it has been around longer than <laughs> two three years but um uh the ones that i found was uh drake tried to trademark uh god's plan and uh I would imagine he ran into some religious boundaries. <laughs> I'm gonna say the Vatican might have a problem with that. I don't yeah. know. So yeah, that was one. Uh, I like Drake, but like, dude, come on. Uh, Cardi B recently tried to uh, trademark. So this is spelled O K U R R. So it's Okur. Um, <laughs> an version of the word OK. I kind of like that actually. Go for it, Cardi oh, B. Oh yeah, no, I, I definitely respect the effort. Um. Uh, but yeah, everyone, everybody, everywhere is about 100% positive she did not invent that. <laughs> so. I, I would doubt it. <laughs> and then the last one, I, actually, I found this one actually like right before we started recording, I thought was really interesting, was um, in, in 2004 and 2006, um, Syracuse University tried to trademark the word orange. <laughs> <laughs> um, in relation to his school colors, um, I really, I really don't know. Orange, if you like, what are you gonna like? Like, like, can you, I don't even know what to like. Like, what do you, when, you, when you teach kids in school, like, all the colors do you just like leave out orange? I was gonna say, isn't there like seven basic colors, orange being one of them? Like, how does that even, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, that one's like definitely... mix, is it red and yellow? You get orange, so like, are you just not allowed to mix those two anymore either? So technically then, if the Chiefs' colors are red and yellow, would you not be able to have those colors combination because it could make orange? Or what if, what if, what if like, they tell you how to make uh, orange, but, like, once you do it and, like, everybody knows what it is, but you can't say it. Like, you have to, like, like we come up with a completely different language that shows orange, but you can't say it because it's Syracuse. Like, is Tropicana just going to make, like, they have to work out a deal with Syracuse and instead of orange juice, it's called Syracuse juice or Syracuse <laughs> orange Like, what? That's ridiculous. I'll give LeBron Taco Tuesday because whatever. I mean, I know he knows that that existed. To try and trademark a color, <laughs> I, I can't give him a pass on that one. What about like if, I mean, like I love clementines like a lot. It's like my favorite. I eat like four at every meal. So like what if I want a clementine or an orange? Like like what if, what do I call those now? <laughs> like it's, it's a life crisis. I don't know. Orange would become a big clementine and then a clementine would stay as it is. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're gonna roll with that. We're gonna, I think that that's how we're gonna end it. <laughs> Just on this. But uh, yeah. On a real note, though, we want to thank you all for tuning in to listen to us. Um, and remember to follow us at Off the Wall underscore BW on both Instagram and Twitter for pretty cool content. It means a lot to us. And um, most importantly, we hope you continue to stay safe and healthy. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll see you. Yeah, thank you for listening, guys. And then, uh, like he was saying, you know, follow us. If you have any ideas for any content you would like on any of these podcasts, definitely feel free to hit us up or add us on uh, Twitter um, or comment on Instagram or something like that. Um, 
I know Andrew's girlfriend, Emily, gave us the idea um, for recognizing women in sports. And so we ended up posting that tweet and we actually got a lot of responses with that. And I think that was something great to do upon the cancellation of the WNBA. So if you have any ideas, uh, definitely hit us up. Other than that, again, stay safe. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. Yep. See you guys. The show goes on.